Sing, goddess, the, the anger of when Peleus, God son of Achilles. And the earth. Tell me the about a complicated to me equal to the gods that man. On a hang, a thousand bucklers. Man is Agamemnon. My husband is just the work delivery. Gentlemen, I'm worse. Would you not forget it? Ever can destroy. Will be to govern the peoples of the world in your empire. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to The Good Fight, where campus meets Christ. I am Tina, and this week I will be leading our episode. Very excited. Our episode is about Othello today. But before all of that, let's introduce our cast. Who's here? Artist, you're here again. Um, yeah, looking forward to this discussion. I think Shakespeare will be fun. I'm Timothy. I'm here again. Uh, I haven't read Othello, so... I probably won't say very much, but I'm here to talk about jealousy, so. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm not here again. I'm here for the first time. Yay. Um, Woohoo. I'm a freshman in CC, which means I just read this book, like, this week to counteract him. Have you you talked about it yet in class? Uh, Talked about the first two acts. Okay. Okay. So this is, like, sneak peek for you. Exactly. I'm going to steal all of your guys' ideas and present them like they're mine on Monday. You can, you should advertise the good fight to your class. Oh, 100%. I will do that. It'll be so good. If you want to hear more, listen to this episode. Okay, but that's really cool. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Um, But to start this episode before talking about Othello, I have a question for everyone. Was there a time when you were jealous? Why were you jealous? What's the story? Uh, if you haven't ever been jealous, what comes to mind when you think of jealousy? What does the word mean to you? I've never been jealous. No, <laughs> that's not true. But I, I can't necessarily think of like a specific example right now, except maybe when I was in high school and like college applications or college decisions were coming out. And I remember I went to like this county-wide like honors ceremony for all the, uh, like the top scholars in all of the high schools in my county. And uh, they like called out one student because he was going to Harvard. And I was like, I hate that guy. But that was, yeah. But actually what I wanted to say has to do with Augustine, which is what we started this this uh semester on because he what we talked about then was right the jealousy of the infant right and wanting the mother's milk so much that it turns white with this envy um so it's just interesting to watch all of these conversations kind of circle together and tie into this grand arching kind of discussion so once when i was a little boy my younger brother and I, right? My younger brother is about two years younger than um, I am, which is enough space that, you know, you're not always getting each other's way, but also enough, close enough that you can be kind of competitive. I forget what it was. It might have been Christmas or something. And our parents each got us a little remote control helicopter. And my brother flew his into the wall soon afterward. And so they bought him another one, which flew higher and shot little missiles, and mine didn't. So on that occasion, I was jealous. How did you, did you act on that jealousy? I think I complained about it, but that was it. Okay. And it lives with him to this day. (laughs) It does, you can tell. (laughs) 
Um, I actually was also reminded of uh, Augustine when I was thinking about this question. Um, but I guess for me, um, and Tim, this is a little bit similar to your story. Um, I remember uh, when I was in Boy Scouts, they were uh, choosing people to go to a leadership development camp. Um, and I, re- I remember one year in particular because they chose uh, three people who were younger than me and who were, they were all my friends, but I was like really, really angry at um, getting passed over for that. Actually very relatable to Iago um, in that moment. Um, I remember afterwards, um, like trying to come to terms with that. I was like a little scary that I was like so mad at my friends for being amazing. Um, so yeah, <laughs> had to come to terms with that a little bit. I, I think it very directly parallels what sets all this in motion. Um, which is Iago um, getting passed over for a job um, by somebody who he considers less experienced and then allowing that to corrupt everything he does and using it as a motivation to send everybody else down the rabbit hole of jealousy. Yeah, and we'll get into that very soon. Uh, Just to add on on to everyone's story about jealousy, for me, I also experienced that during college applications and I saw all of my friends getting in early decision round and... I was rejected from my early decision colleges and there was jealousy towards the people towards my friends that I really love and it seems that jealousy can burn those relationships and we have all been talking about jealousy in a um, pretty negative indestructive sense and we see all of that in Othello. Uh, the Oxford Dictionary defines jealousy as a feeling or showing of an envious resentment to someone or their achievements, possessions, or perceived advantages. And as Ben brought up, we see a lot of that in Othello. And also, since you just read it, do you want to give us a quick summary of the play? Oh, put me on the spot. Okay. Um, Yeah, I can do that. So um, the play starts with uh, Rodrigo and Iago. Um, Iago is um, basically going on this rant about how Othello has chosen uh, this guy Cassio to be his right-hand man, and Iago feels like he deserves that position because he is uh, the most senior man in the military next to Othello, and he says that Cassio has never seen um, action. So he's very um, jealous of that, and um, he plays on Rodrigo's uh, emotions. Rodrigo's in love with Othello's new wife, uh, Desdemona, uh, so he starts to set up this situation where he uh, sends Rodrigo um, after Desdemona and he um, alerts uh, Desdemona's father, Brabantio, to the situation because Desdemona and Othello have eloped. Um, so he tries to uh, tell uh, Desdemona's father that Othello has kidnapped his daughter. Um, and so then you've got uh, Othello, Desdemona, Brabantio, and Rodrigo all in conflict with each other right away for various reasons um and he sets that up um then in the rest of act uh, one you see uh this um uh turkish invasion almost happened uh in venice which is very scary but the threat turns out not to be real um and you see othello resolve this claim by being like hey look she married me willingly yeah we eloped but we're in love um and so brabantio is satisfied um then it moves to um, Cyprus, uh, which is where the Turks have retreated. So they all go to Cyprus to make sure that they don't try to invade Cyprus. Um, and, uh, we see Iago get right back to it and try to start saying things up again. So he continues to push, uh, Rodrigo to pursue Desdemona. 
um, he gets um, he starts to sow this doubt between Othello and Desdemona, where he tells Othello that uh, Desdemona is cheating on him with Cassio. Um, and he plants some evidence, a handkerchief that Othello gave to Desdemona. He plants that in Cassio's bedroom. Um, Cassio then um, gives it as a gift to um, his lover, Bianca, um, not realizing what it is. Um, and so this all um, basically comes to a head when he convinces Othello very quickly um, that uh, Desdemona has been cheating on him without any real evidence. Um, and then when Othello confronts her, obviously she denies it. Um, but Iago has set up the situation so that at that moment, Cassio walks in um, with uh, Bianca and Bianca has the handkerchief and Othello sees it and he's like, there's the proof. He Cassio took her handkerchief and then he regifted it. Um, it's a whole thing. So uh, he ends up um, killing Desdemona um, and then Desdemona's friend Amelia kills herself because she is Iago's wife and she realizes what a terrible person Iago is. Um, and then after that, Cassio gets the chance to explain himself. And he says, um, basically, I just found this in my chamber by accident. I don't know where it came from. Um, and then at that moment, Othello realizes his terrible mistake. Um, and then he kills himself. Uh, and so you have three people dead at the end. Um, in the fighting, Cassio and Iago were both wounded, but they both survived. Um, and the play essentially ends with Iago fleeing um, and Cassio becoming the new general. That is the most detailed summary that we've had so far on the podcast. Thank you, Ben. But uh, too long, don't read. We have two characters who are jealous for different reasons. Iago is jealous of Othello, and Othello is jealous because he thinks his wife is cheating on him. Um, how would we characterize these two people's jealousy? Are they rational? Are they not? Uh, what are the consequences? Well, I think in, in both of them... We see it beginning from something that I imagine could be rational uh, or a plausible, let's put it that way. Maybe not, if not rational, then certainly a plausible reason. Um, in Iago's case, yeah, maybe maybe he did want that position um, for himself. And maybe that's a valid thing to want that. In um, Othello's case, maybe it is a valid thing to... Um, to be, uh, to want your spouse's faithfulness, but what happens after that, um, from those seeds of plausible doubt or plausible desire, you know, it it escapes reason. It becomes an obsession in both of them that leads to, you know, the desire for the destruction of another person. One thing that strikes me. Um about even the the kind of the jealous experiences we've all described to you is this feeling of of desert or of merit um and and also of like fairness right it's like in in the stories we gave we all thought this is what i deserve right this is what, what uh you know someone owes me and i think in in these two cases as well right the way you described it ben was Iago feels that he deserves this position, right? And I think that is like sort of a, a rational reason to want something is that you feel that you deserve it. And I, I think it's interesting then to think about that in the way that we've been talking about like human sinfulness, right? And then thinking, is there anything that we do deserve? 
the promotion. Do we deserve promotion? Do we actually deserve it? Or um, with Othello and his wife, like, um, I think that's another case, right? Where you feel that, oh, yes, we are in this committed relationship. I deserve the attention and care of my wife, right? And then to have that undermined, to feel that it is undermined, I think that is where then the irrational element creeps in as well, where uh, in most of the other cases, it's perhaps irrationally thinking that you are the sole person who deserves something without recognizing things like mercy or you know not having full access perhaps to other information. But then with uh, Othello, it seems to be more that he does deserve sole attention of his wife, but he doubts that that's what he's getting. That's interesting. And I think uh, Shakespeare does play on the idea of desert, not only through Othello and Iago, but also through the victims of the play. Uh, I have in mind Desdemona. So at some point in Act 2, Iago says, describing Desdemona, and out of her own goodness make the net that shall enmesh them all. So Othello is taking advantage of Desdemona's innocence to trick Othello into believing that she is cheating on him. If we look at the play, Desdemona is the most innocent character. She only has good things in mind for all her other friends in the play. But at the end, she's the first, well, not the first. She's one of the characters who dies without without deserving it. So it's... So as of now, jealousy, it comes from people who think they deserve something that they didn't get. And ultimately, it hurts people who don't seem to deserve that pain. Yeah, I, I, I think that you're, you're both very right. Um, and Tim, I definitely agree. There is there is certainly a, a certain logic to both Othello and Iago, but there's a certain um, disconnection from reality there, right? Where Othello certainly has the right to say, uh, well, I should be getting all my wife's affection. Um, but he fails to consider any evidence, and that's very irrational. And uh, Iago may very well be justified in saying he deserves that position, but he's not justified in saying that nobody else could deserve that position, or that Cassio, because his qualifications are different, um, can't deserve that position. Um, and we see um, that because they act on that jealousy, the outcome is that not only do they not gain the things that they were coveting, but they lose everything they already had. Um, Othello obviously um, loses the relationship that he had with Desdemona because he kills her. Um, but then not only that, he doesn't die not realizing that he'd lost that. He realizes his mistake. And the reason he kills himself is because he cannot live with the fact that he destroyed his own relationship while like trying to save it. Um, Iago um, is equally ironic. He spends the entire play trying to manipulate things in order to get Cassio's job. And at the end of it, he loses his own job. He loses his own country. He's a fugitive from his own people. And Cassio gets an even better job. He gets Othello's job as general. Um, so yeah, Tina, not only do they hurt um, people who were completely innocent, they very much hurt themselves in the process. So jealousy bad. Um, and this aligns with what we see in the Bible. Does anyone want to read Proverbs 14.30? A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Uh, and essentially that encapsulates what we've been discussing about jealousy. 
However, I would like to use this to transition into the next question. Can jealousy be good or is it only bad? And this is sort of a leading question, but because in the Bible, we also see God described as a jealous God in multiple verses. For example, in Exodus, it says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. How do we reconcile those two sides of jealousy? Well, I think I think you can even point to, and this is kind of what I was getting at already, I think you can point to Othello, right, and his jealousy and say, look, no, this is like a fully justified jealousy, right? Yes, you do want to be jealous of your wife's affection, right? That's what we believe when we enter the covenant of that relationship, the marriage relationship. But what makes it wrong then is that he doesn't believe that he has it, right, when he actually does. And so his jealousy is not so much the problem as his doubt that his jealousy is satisfied, right? And I think then you, you can compare, and this is, I mean, like the, the marriage relationship, I think, is a good analogy because that's often the analogy drawn between God and his covenant people, right? That, that the institution of marriage among men is a sign of the relationship between God and his people. And in the same way that God is jealous of his people's attention, right? of their love and affection, that he does deserve that love and attention, right? In the same way, I think you can say, look, Othello's jealousy is like mirroring God's jealousy here in that he is fully merited in the sole affection of his covenant partner, right? And that just seems right. Um, the difference is, and I mean, this is very much what happens with God too, um, although we don't satisfy it, is that um, he doubts that he has it. And what what really gets me about God, right, is that he doesn't get it, right? We idolize everything. We sin and um, never give our full attention to God. And yet he still loves us so much that he's willing to rectify that. And I think that's really incredible. Right. So if we're going to use the language of, you know, dessert or rights, um, yeah, just to um, go off, kind of repeat what Tim said about the jealousies we see in the play. Um, we can say Iago doesn't have the, can't really say he has a right to that position and he acts as though he does. Othello, whereas he may have had a right to expect his wife's affection, certainly had no right to treat her as he does and ultimately take her life. Um, so we see these questions of ultimately, you know, I think I deserve something and then I end up doing acting in ways that honestly I don't deserve that thing. So the way I picture it in my head is essentially, and this might be too abstract, but when I'm jealous it's sort of an expansion of the self occurring at the same time as a diminishing of the self. It's a self-aggrandizing, um, saying I deserve more than I actually do. That also is a self-humiliation. It leads me um, to make myself less than I am or ought to be. Um, and I think we see that in a couple of passages from the play. Uh, let me find one of them. It's the... Um, 
scene one, line 63 to 71, where this question of self um, in Iago's jealousy uh, really comes out, where he really identifies with Othello. Um, you know, were I the more I would not be Iago, and following him I follow but myself. He attaches himself to the self of another person, so to speak. Um, and when I speak of the expansion of the self, I mean that what happens with jealousy is ultimately my desire becomes so huge that there is no room for that other person in my world. Um, I need that person to be destroyed. And that's true of Iago's jealousy. That's true of um, Othello's jealousy. And so it's ultimately it's a lie. It's saying I should be the sole being in this universe, right? And for us to say that it's a lie, right? But I think when it comes to God, I don't think he's saying God is by definition, self-exist. He's the only self that can make these sorts of claims. Not that that his creation, he doesn't have obligations to his creation in the same way that human beings do to each other. His creation is a pure act of his volition. He's the only he's the only entity that can make those claims because he's the only self great enough to take it, to claim it, and to not be destroyed by um, by this sort of desire. So I think we would be mistaken if we project human jealousy onto God. Um, but I think there's a lot of, there's a, there's a really big distinction here between the humanness of human beings with the necessary humility that entails and, for lack of better words, the godness of God. Yeah, Arshir, I think your point about humility is so important here. Um, and Tim, you made a great point about... Um, this marriage relationship between um, Othello and Desdemona being analogous um, to that of God and us. Well, clearly there are issues with that relationship that don't exist in our relationship with God. Um, but I kind of want to draw a parallel, but um, different analogy between uh, Iago and the devil. And I pointed this out to you, or I, I mentioned this to you earlier, Tim, but I very much think that Iago here is a stand-in for the devil where he, um, exploits the faults that people have, um, exacerbates them, and then tries to arrange situations to cause them to harm each other. Um, and I think he explicitly calls us out at a certain point. And so I want to read you um, a, a, short, a few short lines here from the end of Act 2. Uh, so he says in lines 336 to 339, What devils will the blackest sins put on? They do suggest at first with heavenly shows, as I do now. So Iago explicitly compares himself to a demon at the end of Act 2, and he acts fairly devilishly for the rest of the play as well. Um, and so I think it's important that when we understand um, Iago's motivations and the ways in which he looks somewhat similar um, to Othello's jealousy, uh, we need to point out the differences there, right? So he also feels entitled, but something he clearly doesn't have a right to, right? He sees himself as being equal to a godlike figure um, who does deserve those kinds of things. Um, and we don't read Paradise Lost anymore, but Paradise Lost makes this point um, so beautifully um, that Satan's um, first sin was wanting to be God and thinking he was God's equal and that he deserved that position of glory and power. Um, and so there's certainly um, a right uh, use of jealousy, um, although it occurs pretty rarely. Um, in which you want to be jealous of something that isn't actually entirely yours that you have the right to, like your wife's affections or God's desire to have our worship. Um, but so often we see this perversion, and this uh, perversion of jealousy is so fundamental to the way that 
we as human beings operate in a fallen world um, in which we think that we are entitled to things that are clearly not ours. Um, and in that we, like the point that Othello makes very beautifully is that we act um, in harmony with Satan's intentions and with his original crime. I like all of that. And I just want to um, build on those points. So uh, Ben, you said that Iago's jealousy it became into purely destructive motives. He recognized that perhaps he isn't, it isn't justified for him to want that position, but he at that point just wants to destroy Othello and bring pain. But I agree that Othello's jealousy is to some extent justified. And I think I can imagine a scenario in which that jealousy in fact leads to um, productive building in a relationship. It, well, in an ideal marriage, there's healthy communication. Perhaps that jealousy could have led to communication that could have strengthened the relationship between Othello and Desdemona um, instead of leading to the ultimate tragedy. But what happened with Othello was, as Artashir said, his self expanded. And then um, his motives for having jealousy, I did air quotes, but his motives for having jealousy became not justified. It was no longer grounded in the covenant of of um, marriage. And I'm thinking about a line it's near the end before Othello decides to murder Desdemona. He thinks, I must murder Desdemona to stop her from cheating on other men. And that becomes a reason that's irrelevant to their marriage. So it feels that jealousy taken too far loses that point of rationality but um with god i feel like god well god's jealousy is justified and instead of responding in any violence or unjustified like aggression god responds in love as tim as tim mentioned um but i think my next question is how can we incorporate good jealousy is it, is it possible as humans or should we avoid jealousy, um, period? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I'll try and tie this in. This is more of a thought falling off what you were just talking about, Tina, as well. Um, where I think, so in scripture, we see a lot made of the fact that, you know, uh, it's in, I think, Second Samuel, uh, where uh, there's a verse that goes, you know, people judge um, from the exterior, but God sees the heart. And I think that's an important theme in Othello because um, we, Othello is read today often in the context of modern racial conversations as well. And we can debate whether um, the modern concept of race applies there. Certainly Othello, the fact that he is a Moor, whether uh, as a religious and racial designation, um, is considered, is very significant to the play and when we look at the language of darkness and light in the play, both to describe appearance and to describe moral character, um, we see something very, we see two different dynamics going on where um, in the passage I was reading earlier, Iago basically says, I'm not going to show who I am inside. So, but gradually for the audience, at least, um, what he is inside is slowly worked out, becomes revealed. Whereas in Othello's case, he's faced with the assumption that, um, or seems to struggle even with the insecurity that, you know, um, darker skin might mean something about his character as well, which might play a part in why his jealousy develops. 
the way it does, his insecurity about his wife's love. And so we see the pernicious character of this. Um, so I think, yeah, and that, that it leads, when humans take it upon themselves to be jealous, to arrogate claims to themselves that they don't have, and to judge in these ways, then it leads to all these negative effects. So I think, I think your question is a difficult one about good jealousy. Um, I don't know if we would, I think this came up in a conversation about anger we had a while ago. Uh, but I don't know if we should go about thinking, okay, today I'm going to try and be jealous in a good way. Um, I think the best way to cultivate jealousy is to cultivate humility before the God who sees hearts, all hearts, and then to cultivate good loves. Because jealousy, I think, is only justifiable when it's in the, when it's the outflow of a real love, not a self-love. A parent is justified in being jealous of their child, of their child's safety, um, a husband, a wife is justified in being jealous of their spouse. Um, so cultivating right love in right relationships, I think, is the only safe way we can go about it. You just reminded me of a Chinese idiom that I think captures that so well. So in Chinese, uh, there's a saying that goes, 羡慕嫉妒恨. And that's three words. It's admiration, jealousy, hatred. And it's supposed to represent the arc of emotions that we usually see. Someone usually goes from admiring someone to being jealous of them and to ultimately hating them. But what I think distinguishes those three words is admiration is one that comes from love. It's because you like what the person does, you um, resonate with it. But jealousy, it's no longer from love. And hatred, it's obviously the opposite of love. So, yeah, instead of like thinking about good jealousy, it's more of just holding tight to admiration and I feel like focusing on on personal humility and improvement. Yeah, I, th I think it's important, too, to say, you know, maybe maybe we are justified in having these uh, kind of loving jealousies. But then I think and this sort of ties to what I was saying before, I think it's also important to always keep in mind and I suppose this ties into the notion of humility that like no one is going to be able to satisfy that just jealousy, nor will we be able to satisfy the jealousies that others will have towards us, right? That, you know, we will enter these loving commitments with other people and neither they nor we will it be able to um, live up to the, to the ruler, so to speak. And so the humility comes in, in in recognizing that of ourselves and that of others and then having the grace to forgive um, and also to um, be forgiven, um, both when, when others fail to live up to what we deserve and also when we fail to live up to what others deserve of us. Yeah, that's, that's very true, Tim. Um, personally, I find it helpful to think about... Um, uh, God's relationship with us um, because I know uh, for me like I violate um, what he has the right to my affections like every single day um, and you think about before I was saved and man that was constant it's so deep um, and God has an absolute right to jealousy over that far greater than anything I have the right to be jealous for um, and through all that just the, the love and the grace he's shown me is so incredible um, you know I think it's really powerful that God loves us before we love him. Um, and no matter how many times uh, we violate uh, 
his rights, if you want to say it that way. Uh, he takes the first step towards us, right? He doesn't wait for us to ask for forgiveness. He begins reconciliation, um, right? And that's ultimately why uh, the cross is so powerful because uh, Christ took that step for a world that despised him, that didn't want it, um, and he still sacrificed everything. And I think that's something that, although, uh, you know, of course we won't live up to that, I think that's a model that we should try to use in our relationships with others. Not that we shouldn't, we should stop all jealousy or um, that we should give up our rights, but that we should try to love people through that and try to love people um, before we um, start asserting our rights. And yeah, there's a lot of humility in that art here because we, we aren't God and that's very important to keep in mind. Um, but I think this uh, sense of unconditional love is something that we really need to be focused on cultivating um, in our relationships with all people. I'm thinking that the consequences of loving, it won't, it, it's not only to remove your personal jealousy, I think it can also help remove jealousy of others. And I'm thinking about Othello, and this is also making another point about race. Artichir, you said that Othello's jealousy, um, a part of that was originating from his insecurities because he is the more he's different from everyone else and people don't like him for his skin color. But if we could use, if his society, instead of hating him or discriminating against him for that, chose to love Othello, perhaps he would be more, would have been more confident in his relationship with Desdemona, in his right to be loved, and hence not have cu cultured that jealousy, and maybe this tragedy wouldn't have happened. That's a lot of ifs, but the point is, by reflecting love, by reflecting God's love, it creates um peace and happiness, fluffiness in in everyone. Yeah, um, and I guess. Yeah, last to the point on humility. I guess we do want to cultivate fluffiness in people, but we don't want to... I don't know if... I mean, this is a... It ought to be a heavy topic when we think about it because, I mean, we started by sharing when we were all jealous, right? Uh, there is a, There are the seeds of an Iago in all of us. Um, someone who is so convinced they deserve something they actually don't. Someone who wants the destruction of another person, um, is willing to muster the worst prejudices, um, such as racial prejudices in themselves and in other people to cause other people to, um, to fall, to be destroyed. Someone who is deeply self-centered, um, who deeply believes that they are justified in what they do for themselves and who ends up destroying themselves along with the other person. Um, so when we recognize that, to echo what Ben said and Tim earlier, you know, we need to, we do need to be humble and we do need to look to the God who sees our hearts, who sees the Iago in all of us, who sees through our deceit. And though he had the right to be jealous, did not act on that jealousy for destruction, but rather for the full giving of himself. And when we talk about being rightly jealous, again, to Ben's point, yeah, our pursuit of someone is never to control them, to coerce them, um, which in the end could destroy them, but is a giving of ourselves um, to the utmost. So it's not an expansion of the self. It's not saying I deserve all this. It's 
um, pouring yourself out for the good of another. That's a good place to end. This is good. Um, so, Tim, you know our socials. Does anyone wait, Artisher? Do you know our socials now? At this point, no. <laughs> I know we have an email. <laughs> oh no, Ben. There's a small chance they usually stop the podcast right before you see oh, the socials. Man. Oh man. All right, but. You can find a good fight on social media, guys. It's really good. Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook at the Good Fight Pod, and you can also email us at um, witnessthegoodfight at gmail dot com. Uh, let us know what you think about the new voice we have on today. Earlier, we were discussing, uh, we were assessing the quality of fluffiness, um, and let us know what you think about jealousy and Othello. And we will see you next week. Right. See ya. See ya. See you later.